I started something a couple weeks ago that I want that was a result of reading a book called Rare Leadership. Let me recommend it again, if, and I'm going to recommend it to our staff. That, that uh, uh, It's an incredible, insightful, spiritually uh, uh, inspired book. Because there's so many things about uh, our lives and discipleship and living for God and, and, and leading people that, that can mimic spiritual life but really be, come from uh, uh, the, the carnal side of man. I'm here to tell you this morning, not everything from the carnal side of man is evil. You see, when, when Adam ate of the, uh, of the tree, it was of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. Good and evil. And so human goodness can mimic spiritual life. But, but it, there is no fruit in it. There's no, what is spiritually uh, uh, inspired in our life is eternal. If you see somebody come in and they're a flash in the pan and they seem to be all inspired and they got all these things going on, but they burn out, I'm going to tell you what, when you are spiritually alive, there is no burnout to that eternal part of God. You understand what I'm saying? And so I, I, I can tell you we have uh, um, done a lot in leadership in the, in the years and the decades past, and a lot of that spoke to our humanity and, and I'm gonna, this that I'm talking about, this book here, I just has so inspired me in, into realizing where leadership, where our Christianity comes from. It's not a group, a bunch of rules and regulation that you have to live by, but it is a, 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 just a life that we get to live. And uh, we're blessed by it. And so the rare... Uh, 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 Christianity that I talked about uh, in the rare standing for remaining relational. Okay, uh, the A stands for act like yourself, your your new creature self, your new creation. Who you are? You got to be okay with who you are. Some people you don't even like yourself, and it's going to be impossible for you to share. What God has done for you, you cannot love yourself. You cannot love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. And I'm not talking this self-absorption. I'm talking about just hey, I'm okay. You know what makes me okay? Not because I was okay, but because He looked at me and He paid a price for me, and He said, "You're okay." And because I do not doubt His word, I'll stand before you. I don't know what you think of me, but I, He thinks I'm okay. And so acting like yourself, I don't have to pretend to be somebody else. I don't have to, you know, want to be somebody else that I look up to. I don't need a hero to feel like, you know, some sports figure that I want to project my life into. It's okay. God has created you specifically to be you. And then the other R in rare is to return to joy. Our lives ought to be a constant and consistent place where joy is the default setting in our life. If it's not, we're in trouble. If it's not, you're going to have a hard time building relationships because I'm attracted to joyful relationships. Not that we don't have trouble and struggle, but eventually, I don't care, there's people in here that I know that if we butt heads, 
it's going to work out to the end that we return to a joyful relationship. Why? Because we're committed to remaining relational. And, and I'm, I'm okay with you acting like yourself. And, and so the, and the last one in the rare is to endure hardship. Okay? That's just something I'm going to talk about for, for the foreseeable future. I'm going to go over every one of these. Again, but let me, and I touched on them a couple of weeks ago, and I want to talk about remaining relational, being better together. That the, the, the power of the body of Christ is not uh, each of us individually being a powerhouse for God, but us collectively submitting ourselves to one another. That's what will bring about the glory of God in this present age. If there's anything there, uh, that, that's going on where you, it seems like the enemy is, is uh, uh, you know, got the upper hand, he doesn't. It's just the, ch- the church needs to be unified. If, if Corinth in this greater area of upstate New York, as far as our reach, if they're going to see the power of God manifest, it's not going to be because we have some powerful ministry come through or some great music that goes on, but it's going to be because every one of us together, even those of you that don't think you're important, you are more important. Being unified. And realizing what God's called you to, to do in your life, how regardless of what you think may be insignificant, there is nothing insignificant in the kingdom of God. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I'm not trying to be somebody that I'm not called to be, but I really want to play my part. When, when the great... Uh, uh, a conductor points at me, I want to come in at the right time. I don't want to play the loud. I don't necessarily have to play the loudest or, or, or you know, be better than somebody else. I just want to do my part. You need to have that in your eye, in your, in your mind, in your spirit, that God, I am uniquely called. You have a purpose. And, I, and, and it may be he's getting you ready for it. In the midst of it, you be that, that shining light. But, man, just, God, I want to do my part. I want to come in when you tell me, and I don't want to quit till you tell me. And uh, so remaining relational is absolutely the uh, uh, essence of and, and the strength of us being in the body of Christ. So the question is, what? is it that causes us to be in relationship? Why are we relational? And, uh, you know, why is it that some can come and go and not even connect relationally to one another? We, we can have many friendships, but uh, to, to steal from a, an old movie line, one Westerner says, blood is blood, everybody else is passing through. And you can have a lot of friends, and you can have, uh, you know, uh, uh, co-workers and all that. But when we have a common salvation, and we take on the blood of Jesus in our lives, that connects us. That is the connection. Our salvation is what it is that will cause me to remain relational with you even when I don't want to. 
And if you don't get, if you don't have this understanding, then then our relationship will will you know fluctuate, and it'll be good and bad depending on the programs we got going on, or you know how good the music is, or how comfortable you know the sanctuary is, and all of these things. But when when our uh, remaining relational is based on our common salvation, then we will endure hardship together. We will be gracious to one another. We'll forgive one another, be forbearing to one another. And so I want to start off with this and this remaining relational. If, if we're going to remain relational, we've got to uh, not forget the salvation that we have experienced. Acts 4 and verse 12 in the New King James, it says, Now there, uh, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We have all experienced, those of you that have been born of the water, have experienced the power of salvation through the power of Jesus' name. That's, that is something that binds us. If they're talking about family identity as I talk about acting like yourselves and accepting who you are, the the family identity that each individual family have and and understanding that and uh, uh, embracing that. When I took on the name of Jesus in water baptism, I took on his name. I became in covenant with him. That is why, and I'll, and I'll say it again, those of you that have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, I, I would absolutely encourage you. It's not that we're trying to baptize you into gateway. But man, there is salvation in no other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When the apostles baptized every convert in the book of Acts, they put them down in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he is the bridegroom. We're taking on his name. Say, well, I was baptized into some mainline religion. I did this for some other reason. Well, well, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt you to take it on, to do what he's asked. Uh, what I believe in, uh, again, if you're asking the salvation that we enjoy, it is still my firm belief. I don't have to stand up here and beat the drum every day, but if somebody asks me, what must I do to be saved, I'm still going to quote from the Scripture in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 when Peter said to them, repent. There is no salvation outside of repentance. You can't morph into this. There has to be that place where you decide, you know what, I am in need and, and what I'm doing is not working. And God, would you help me out? How many of you remember the day of repentance in your life? It's powerful. It's life-changing. And, it's, and, and it's, it's amazing when people start that direction, that, that, that course in their life. I, sometimes I just I worry. Because there's people here that, that, that 
kind of just, you know, I've been raised here, you know, all of these things, and I, and I really haven't made that decision that, God, I need you. And what happens to those that don't have a common salvation is they do not remain relational. I'm not criticizing him, but I'm trying to encourage us. Come on. Let's be relational in this. What is it that causes us? You know what causes me to be relational with you is I remember so vividly the brokenness of my life and how much I needed God. And when I finally made a choice to say, God, I give you my life, how much everything changed. And how thrilled I was to be out of the world. I was, I was converted. I was, I was just absolutely so excited for a new birth in my life. And, and God, I was so thankful for what he did for me. And I would come to church and, and, and I just thought everybody had that experience. I was so naive. Man, I thought everybody loved God the same. I thought everybody felt that joy that, that just of being delivered. Come to find out not everybody did, but there was a bunch that did. And we remained relational. And we, 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 we loved God. And, and, and what happens is uh, uh, as you ex- have experienced that and and. You know, you get into the church, and here's what happens to us. Listen, and I'm talking after almost 30 years Gateway's been here. You came in, and you were a mess. Yes or no? You know what happens? God brings healing. Does he not? He brings deliverance. He brings righteousness into your life. He brings all of these things. And you get to the point, if you don't, if you don't hold on to the common salvation, if you don't realize and, and remember where you're brought from, you're going to think, well, I don't need this anymore. The love of many, the Bible says, would do what? Wax cold. Not, not like a light switch on off. Like you just keep turning the heat down. Shh. Not important anymore. Oh, it's getting cooler in here. Until finally, it really doesn't. Eh. Relational with the church, not necessary to me. I'm okay. That ticks me off. Because you might be okay. But how about somebody else that's walked in here that needs the body of Christ that needs to see the gospel in action, that needs the love of God, and God's uniquely qualified you and put gifts in you, but because you're, you don't need it anymore. Not yelling. Just saying. I'm talking about remaining relational. I'm talking about the glory of God at the end of the age that the church of the living God is going to shine. And I'm telling you, it is going to shine. 
The power of God is going to be manifest in every nook and cranny in, in, in this world, from every big city to every little town, because God has uniquely called people. Hey, let, let me just give you another, not in the notes, but, but th- this is, if you read the book of Revelation, okay, chapter 2 says, to the, to the angel of the church of, and, I, and I'm going to mix them up in Ephesus, right? To the angel of the church of Pergamum, to the angel of the church of Laodicea. And you go, write these things. And he, there were specific assemblies that God had called together, right? Now, there, are, there is in our day, and I'm, listen to me, I'm not trying to be... Uh, Whatever, just listen to me. There is in our day a, a, uh, a deception of it really doesn't matter if you belong to an assembly. You know, we can get all we need on the Internet. Let me tell you something. You can get better music. You can watch better services. You can see T.D. Jakes who hits it out of the park every time he preaches. You can watch different ministries and say, oh, that's all I need. But I believe in the last days what God is calling his people. You know, there is a church in Corinth. Where are you called to? If you're, Are you called to the church in Corinth? And, and I know not everybody here is, but I'm just, listen, and, and it's not, well, Corinth is a small town. Yeah, yeah, but within, within the distance that you come from, is this where God has planted you? And if it is where he's planted you, then we work together to make this thing the best thing it should be. Because he's called me specifically. I'm going to tell you this. I have been called to Corinth, New York. There is nothing I can do to get out of it or nothing I want to do. I have thought a few times of getting out of it. But when I've suggested to God, let's find something else, he said, nope, this is where you're called. For how long till I tell you so? Okay? And I'm, I'm committing to you, and I, you know, I'm just talking, don't you think I war against the same things you war against? But at the end of the day, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Lord, if this is where we're called, then man, you know, uh, uh, and the enemy wants to separate it. It's time for us to turn around and realize what we're doing, why we're doing it. Remain relational. The salvation that we have is, is just powerful, life-changing. So, from repentance, Peter says, let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins. I do not believe water baptism is an uh, outward sign of an inward work. I believe it is a spiritual operation that takes place. If you read uh, in the New Testament, um, in Colossians, it is spiritual circumcision that takes place. 
And so that's why I've just, come on, do it. Do, let's do it together. Believe that. Not everybody preaches that. We do. Why? Because I believe it. Because I experienced a life change at water baptism. My sins were washed away. Not because the water washed it, but because the blood was applied. That's unique. It's uniquely true. And then the Bible says, um, Peter preaching to those people, he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is a, uh, something that you receive not just because of a mental assent that I believe the gospel, but because you open your spirit up enough and let the power of his spirit reside in you. It's an incredible experience that is for every believer. And I want to create a place where we encourage that, where the presence of God is here, and where the gifts of the Spirit have the opportunity to operate. The Bible says in Jude chapter 1, it's the only chapter, verse 1, it says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Said, beloved, well, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for to the for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Our salvation is common. I got to get a tissue. Our salvation is something that is common to us that binds us together that makes us family and it's something if you remember and you were saved then you value it and when you're whole and you're and you're doing all right then you're here today not for the coffee and the music and the and, and the fellowship but you're here because somebody might walk through those doors that need the same salvation that you and I enjoy say, what's the church doing? What's the vision? Where are we going? You know, we can make all the vision and all the ideas we want, but we need to save the one. We need to be here for the one. I don't know if the one's that important. If it was somebody you loved, it would be. You'd want the church hitting on all cylinders the day the one you love come in here. You'd want God to be displayed at his very best if it was yours. And which one of them out there are not already his? Which one of them out there doesn't he already just have gone to the cross for? Who out there does not deserve to hear the gospel in its fullness and all its power and glory? And I'm here to tell you that's not just because there's good anointed preaching. It's because the body is remaining relational. I don't know if you feel it, but I certainly feel it when there's disunity here. It's like hardening of the arteries. Just things aren't pumping like they used to pump. I'm going to tell you God has an antidote. 
And if we're committed to what's happened to me in the past, and sometimes I have feared conflict uh, and, and, and what it takes to remain relational because, I, again, thinking people had the same motive and, and desire and the common salvation, and so you confront something and people would bolt. What? Is, is there a plan B? And and so it, it, it kind of you know you, you pull back and say well man I don't want I don't want conflict I, and I say bring on the conflict because the family can take it those that are in absolute relationship we can butt heads and be okay and then we get together and we contend earnestly for the faith. We rejoice in the common salvation because I, am con- I believe that, that obeying the gospel is absolutely essential to somebody's salvation. I am not here, and I am not the author and finisher of anybody's faith. I will never be their judge, and God, thank you for that. I would never want that. And I'm here to tell you it is my honest hope and prayer that all men everywhere come to a faith in God and are saved. And, 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 well, what if they don't obey the gospel the way you see it in the Scripture? You know what? That's not my business. I don't need to judge anybody. And, and I'm thankful. I don't need to be better than anybody else. But I do have a responsibility to, to preach what God has delivered to us and be faithful to that. Do I hope everybody makes it? I can't understand thinking any other way. Do you see somebody you think deserves hell for eternity? Not if I look at my own life long enough. So I'm hoping they all make it. And that's why if this gospel, this common salvation makes a difference, and I know it does. That we have to, we have a responsibility to stand and to stay there. It says here, for the time has come, and this is First Peter chapter four, verse number seventeen. For judgment to begin in the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? What's going to be the end of those? So what do we got? The responsibility to be ambassadors. We have a responsibility to be in unity. We absolutely have a mandate from God to remain relational. I want people to obey the gospel. I'm going to tell you there's some that make that mental assent that I know Jesus died for my sins. That doesn't mean you're obeying the gospel. Right? Well, what do I got to do to obey the gospel? Repent. Be baptized. Take on the name of Jesus. Be filled with his spirit. Church, let's stand for that. Let's make that what, you know what, the me- that is the message. That is the, the death, burial, and resurrection is the gospel. Our obeying that is for us to have our own death, burial, and resurrection. And she made it so easy. And it is not works. 
Repentance is not a work, it's an obedience. If you want to call that works, then, then come on. Me changing direction is an obedience to God. Water baptism is so easy, I don't care who you are. Right now, we could fill the water, boom, it doesn't cost you a dime. You don't have to be so good to be baptized. All you have to do is have a heart turned toward God and say, I, I want to take on your name. I want to be a part of this bride of Christ. And watch your life change as you open your spirit and God fills you and you become a brand new creation. That's obedience to the gospel. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1, it says, Therefore we must give the more earnest seed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. Drift away. Okay, the original thought here, we're better together. We remain relational. How do we drift away? It begins with thinking the message isn't that important. You know, yeah, oh, it's okay. I want to be saved, but it's really not that important that I really give my life to. We must give more earnest heed to the things we've heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Don't neglect it. Don't, don't, don't think that it's not important. Well, I, I just, you know, I've been struggling. I, you know, I haven't seen any fruit. What? How do you know? There is so much more. Your life's uh, a witness is, you know, there are some that are gifted evangelists, and they can talk to somebody and bring people in, but I'm telling you, you just standing for God and valuing it and, and, and being in prayer and being what you're supposed to be. There's no telling. Don't, don't compare your field to somebody else or your talents to somebody else. If I have one, somebody else have five. I, I'm not, I don't want the five. I want to do with the, what, the one I've got. Well, I'm not as important because I, don't, I can't play the guitar and sing. You know, I'm not as important because I'm not able to, you know, preach. We are better together because every part of my body is necessary. Come on, think about it. Those of you that have gotten the gout, it gets in your big toe. How many of you thought about your big toe this morning? Anybody? No. Let that hurt. Let that not function properly. You're at a deficit. Every part of your, I don't care what it is, these, these things all of a sudden, you know, wow, I didn't realize that was that important. That's how important you are to him. So let, let me try to wind down. Yep. Did Ned preach this long last week? 
No, okay. All right, so you're here today, uh, and you've kind of let things slip. You've uh, drifted a little bit. Uh, being relational isn't important to you. But somehow, and I hope by the anointing of God that he speaks to your heart. And I hope that you have ears to hear. And, but you say to yourself, well, okay, I'm going to change tomorrow. I'm going to be relational. Yeah, let's see how far that gets you. Let me tell you what you need to do. Listen to this. It's in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8. It says, blessed are those who do what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. What's going to happen? They'll be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Righteousness is uh, uh, to crave, to hunger means to crave. Righteousness is uh, uh, right standing with God, right? And, And craving that righteousness, hungry for righteousness, goes beyond uh, this selfish, self-absorbed humanity that we live in, that everything about that is all about me. If I am craving and hungering for righteousness, I am hungering for righteousness in you. I, I just, I, it's not that I'm like, oh, please, I just, I want to see that. I could not be prouder of my girl sitting up here, Kathleen. Um, how many of you noticed so many great changes going on in her life? And in the midst of darkness, when God called us into the family together, why would you even do that? Why would you take that on yourself? <laughs> oh, because I'm such a great guy. No, no, I'm going to tell you the truth because I was hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Not, not that I, I want to be I want to show you how righteous I can be. No, I saw an opportunity for a young lady who, who, who had a couple different directions in her life, and I wanted righteousness in her life. Not, not this perverse idea of holiness that makes us better than anybody else, but an opportunity to, to uh, live a life that's right before God. I was hungry for that. Jeannie was hungry for that in her life. And because of that, you sacrifice some things. You open the door to other people. When we live our Christianity so selfishly that it's about me, it's for me, it's all me. My God, your relationship is with a mirror. And not not the one that we see through Darkly, the image of Christ, it's yourself. To remain relational is to God. I want to see the kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
How many times do you pray that prayer? Every time I bow my knee, every time I'm here, I've, Lord, it is, the, it is the outline of my prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I'm, in my life, I'm going to tell you this. I am so convinced of my salvation. I'm okay. And so the only thing left for me is for it to be others-oriented. I hunger and thirst for righteousness, and it thrills me to see it. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of lost here. I'm drifted. What are you hungry for? What is it that you crave I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a little less of me than there was six months ago. Okay? I'm not bragging. I've lost almost 30 pounds. <clears throat> Listen, whoa, whoa, no, 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 do not curse me. <laughs> because I lost 30 pounds a few years ago, <laughs> and I found it again. So I, I don't know where I'm in the wave, the cycle. Uh, but this has been unique for me. I, I, you know, I've tried different things in my life. I mean, you remember the cabbage soup diet? You know, different things, you know, fads and all of these things that come and go. But the only thing that really works is a life change. That's the only thing that works. If you lose it quick, you'll gain it quick. Okay. So I have been, you know, the last five or six months, and, and uh, what I, I'm going somewhere with this. <clears throat> I want it to be my life, okay? I really do. I, I want it. And so, you know, and, and because I believe health and strength is, is something that God has for us. We have to partner with him in that. <clears throat> but what I have noticed is... Um, Kathleen keeps Oreos in the house. And when I'm not eating right, I crave Oreos. You ever try to eat one Oreo? Yeah. You know, if you're not, uh, if, it's, if it's just, you know, about yourself, then you are going to uh, go to what pleases you best. I'm talking relationship here. I'm talking about being hungry and thirsty. And, and how many of you parents out there, your children would fill up with sweet tarts and Snickers bars? Right? And what do you say? What do you say? Oh, go ahead. No problem. Eat all you want. No, you say, look, that's not healthy. You're going you're gonna to spoil your dinner. When it comes dinner time, you're not going to be hungry. We fill them up on, on Dr. Pepper and, and Shazam, whatever the latest drink is. We'll make one up. Monster energy drink. Woo! Poison. You know, we all laugh, but I'm going to tell you what. We live in a culture where uh, uh, that is just... We, 
without any limits. It's whatever pleases you. If you want to be hungry and thirsty, I'm going to tell you what I had this morning. I had a kale and spinach shake. How's that sound? But I'm going to tell you, to me, because I was hungry, it was awesome. You know what I had for a snack? Not today, yesterday, a rice cake. I know, some of you don't even know what those are. But there's nothing, there. it's just, it's, but the point of it is sometimes the spiritual life and what's around us hungering and thirsting for righteousness is not the shiny thing. It's not the one in the bright lights. It's not something that is palatable to your flesh. And what, what you do, what you've done is you have gone so much of pleasing yourself that you're not even hungry anymore. Just backing it up. What is it that would make me hungry? You need to be careful what you're taking in. How much time do you spend in his word? How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend in fellowship? You're not going to morph into that again, folks. How much time do you spend on Netflix? How much time do you spend on Facebook? How much time do you spend on these things that are poor substitutes for real relationship? And we get used to the Oreos of life, of spiritual life, and just that sweet, oh, it makes me feel good. I can say what I want, but the real things that are healthy and good for us, they're sometimes much more difficult to prepare. I have found in the past six months I have to cook because if it comes out of can, it's not good for you. If it's pre-prepared, believe me, But to grow a garden, to make some fresh things, to take the time to look for the right ingredients, that takes time, and then you got to prepare it, and it's a lot easier to stop a Rocco's. We're in a fast food society. Timothy. Listen, I hope what, what, I am, what I'm trying to do, what I believe the Holy Ghost would have us do, is be encouraged here today. Uh, it is absolutely possible. As an older man, to decide to lose weight and do it. Somebody said, wow, I never saw many your, your age lose weight. But I'm telling you, it's possible to change your habits. It's possible, those of you that are not relational, if you want to, if you want to do something about it, 
It's possible for you that aren't hungry and thirsty for righteousness. You're not going to get it because I beat you over the head with the word. You're going to get it because, man, I want to. Because, you know, when you're not doing right, you just don't feel right. It's not that you don't go through your day. But God, I'm missing something. Something's out of whack. But you know why? Because you're his. He doesn't leave you alone. Thank God he doesn't leave me alone. Say, man, just, it's not bad having an Oreo once in a while. But when you sit there and eat the bag full of them, you don't leave room for anything else. And all it does is make you crave a bag tomorrow. How many of you know I'm talking about spiritual things? What is it that you're partaking of? What is it that you prioritize, the priority of your life? What I'm asking is for you to be rare. Come on. There's grace here for you. There, there is grace here. Nobody's going to condemn, but, let, but let's, let's get to the place where, where this church is, that, that unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace that brings about the glory of God. It's not only possible. I'm going to tell you it's his will. So we're going to pray the will of How many of you know if we pray anything in Jesus' name? Come on, it's his will. He does it. How many know unity in the spirit is his will? So, Father, I lift up this assembly. Specifically, God, in the body of Christ all over the world, but but here that we are called to. We're called to the church. God, I'm asking you, Lord, let, let those here that are called a hunger and thirst for righteousness in our lives, but in the lives of those around us, that we could be a soul-saving station where men and women could see the glory of God. But in, in our giving, God, we are all our needs are met because we are in relationship with the gifts that you've placed in the body. Let your will be done on earth. Lord, let your will be done in my life. Father, let me not be consumed with the things I have no control over. And let me today today change course to be hungry to be thirsty I'm asking your blessings today Lord as we pray together let your will be done Jesus my God I worship you come on as we sing would you gather around the altar for just a few moments we'll pray together we'll pray healing God's grace his goodness Come on, let's lift him up together today, Jesus.